Thanks for downloading this podcast. podcast. It's for personal use only and must not be rebroadcast, reproduced or used in any form without permission. Tell your friends they can get their own copy by searching iTunes for Radio Le Mans or visiting RadioLeMans.com. Midweek Motorsport. News, features, special guests, and analysis from the experts. Formula One, sports car and endurance racing, rallying, touring cars and bikes. If it has wheels and an engine and they keep score, it's on Midweek Motorsport. Hello everybody and welcome along to Midweek Motorsport. It's just after 8 o'clock in the UK and this is Series 13, Episode 11 of Midweek Motorsport. Just after 4 for those of you uh, on the east coast of the United States. Uh, That will all change next week. We'll be back to normal because the uh, clocks change at the weekend. Except in Arizona. Where Where they don't change at all. They don't change. Ever in the history of ever. Uh, that was Nick. Uh, that was that was Tim Gray up in London, our executive producer. Evening, Tim. Good evening, John. And on a packed program tonight, we have what? We have all the usual features, and it really is a packed program because we do have uh, a point press release of the week and news in Spanish, as well as all of our normal news in English. We have a special guest, uh, and we'll be talking about uh, some things happening this weekend. Uh, we have a few previews to do, and also previewing some things happening tomorrow, and something that's happening after the show. <laughs> so, yes. lots of previews, uh, lots of news in two languages, uh, and pointless press release of the week, and a guest. Or two. And a challenge for our audience. Oh, and a challenge for our audience. Do you know what day it is today? I know. I know what day it is today. It's Wednesday. Specifically? Uh, Wednesday, the 21st of March, 2018. Today is World Poetry Day. Oh, dear. So we're going to have to do everything in rhyming couplets, are we? No, uh, but I do want all of our listeners uh, to send us their best effort at a motorsport poem in 240 characters or less via Twitter. Uh, at Specutainment for that. Um, obviously it has to rhyme because it's not poetry if it doesn't rhyme. It if can it be poetry if doesn't rhyme. No, you it can, can't. You can, given that it's. Uh, I am big pentameter, love. Well, you're not going to get a full sonnet in 240 characters. You can't uh, get 14 lines worth of iambic pentameter in 240 characters. You once set us a challenge on a. On one uh, of the Christmas, Christmas quiz. quizzes, you had to do. I did uh, one about one, Toyota. One team had to do a sonnet, one team had to do a haiku, and one team had to do a limerick. If I, I think we correctly. did the haiku. I wrote a haiku. That, I've, I've got that somewhere. I may submit that again later. A haiku would definitely fit onto Twitter. So uh, if you know how to do a haiku, then you could try that as your submission. And uh, we'll see if we can find a prize for the best one. Oh, we've got some prizes. We might be able to do that. Uh, right, turn lover, no apologies for absence listening in. Uh, additional race coverage was mentioned. Yes, it was, but I'm not mentioning it again until later. Michael Denning says, I'm just back to Brighton in time. My favourite two hours of the week. It's time for a midweek motorsport. You should record that. And we might use it as part of... Oh, shall we have some listener uh, listener cuts? 
bit of Vox Popular at the beginning. I like that idea. Oh, that's an idea. Maybe for the uh, new jingle package. Okay, Chris, year. we're not getting rid of Mark and Emma, though, are we? Not getting rid of Mark and Emma. Okay. Certainly not replacing them with listeners because they're cheaper. That's definitely not. <laughs> definitely not the sort of thing we'd do. Chris Suku says partial apologies for absence in 30 minutes. Uh, working on live streaming, but unfortunately it's not quite ready in time. He says, hashtag F1. Uh, listening live tonight is we're elbow deep in the final prep for our Elise for Brick Car Endurance this year. Andy Napier Racing. Oh, good effort, mate. Good stuff. Um, behind the wall, definitely no AFA tonight. Lift, listening at work from Brussels after a successful big week on the project car back home. What is that? Something with a big Chevrolet engine in the back of it. I like the look of that behind the wall. More details, please. Uh, and... Well, I've just lost how I scroll down at the moment. Uh, no, I think that's about it at the moment. Let's see if there's anybody else. That'll do. So let's crack on then with a bit of news. So Tim well, is going to shuffle... Before the news... Oh, oh, oh right. I'm just going to play this jingle because I haven't heard this for a very long time. Okay. <laughs> And this is the music for? Uh, this is for the music for the gallery from Vision On. Yes. Uh, I have There will be a prize for all those we show. I have found... I did the, uh, I did the thing. You have, yeah. yeah, yeah. I've, uh, we can't return any submissions, though. No, Even no. if you send a stamped address down I'm sorry, we can't return any. Yes. Uh, I remember all that. It's the only bit of sign language I know. And I've never forgotten it. Uh, I have uh, my submission for the best picture of the week, which I am putting on the thread in the collective now. Okay. That's on Facebook, is it? on Facebook. Are we still allowed to use Facebook? Uh, Well, it's up to the listeners if they want to use Facebook or not. I'm not suggesting that by using Facebook, their personal details could be sold to the Russians. <laughs> we haven't introduced Eugene you yet, Nick. Putin. You can't talk. <laughs> Nick's getting very frustrated now. We're better getting some news where we Let's, can talk to him. Should we, should we do some proper news? Yes. Okay. okay. All the latest motorsport news from around the world. Midweek motorsport. We're going to start with MotoGP news. Hurrah! Ish. Oh come on! No, I, I'm not. I'm not going to. I'm not going to sell me, me catchphrase for nothing, you know. Okay. Hurrah for MotoGP! Uh, Nick Damon will be talking about that tonight. He's here. I hello. Hi everybody. I've been here for a while, saying things you couldn't hear. He wants to say something. I've said it. <laughs> can you not hear him? I can hear uh, hear him saying that, but I thought he wanted something about uh, our picture of the week. Ah yes. Did you want to say something about the picture of the week? I haven't seen the picture of the week. Right. I'll show you the picture of the week. Show the picture of the week. Um, he's been eating me out of house and home, actually. Is that is my job. Doing. It is your job on a Wednesday. <laughs> That's true. Well, what's been on the menu tonight? Uh, it was uh, roast pork with crackling, some uh, swede. Swede? Swede. Hello, swede. Uh, some uh, leek suet pudding uh, with creamed leeks. Mm-hmm. And... Roasted golden beetroot was a nice addition. Ooh. 
gravy, gravy, very glossy gravy, and then a very nice baked vanilla cheesecake. Red fruits in a served in a Danish way. How do the Danes serve cheesecake? No, oh, I've no, got, the fruits. On, I've now got uh, the picture of the week. The Danish Danish fruits. Right. Okay. I recognise Darren Turner. Yeah. Keep looking. Uh, he's a bunch of Aston Martin drivers in there. This is a bunch of Aston Martin drivers. Open water swimming outfits. Yes. Oh, there's Johnny Adam. Johnny Adam. Yeah. Um, Pedro Lamy. Um, Nicky Team. That's just the hair gives that one away. Rodgers Med Fluid. Basically, if it's if you've got a um, a sort of a dry suit rubber fetish, it's the place for you, really. And uh, love at? of uh, GT cars as well. Yes, if you're a motorsport Are rubber fetishist. Are they going fog snorkelling or something? It's open it water looks like it, doesn't it? It's open water swimming, I think, isn't it? Some of them have shoes. Some of them are bare feet, barefooted. Barefooted. Like, oh, I'm looking at Alex Lynn as well. Yes, good point. That was an exciting picture. Yes, wow. Uh, why did you think? Why did that was a picture of the week? It's the funniest picture I've seen this week. Blimey, you've had a bad week. Or funniest motorsport picture I've ah, seen this week. Ah, ah yes. Okay. And that's on the Midweek Motorsport Listeners Collective on Fat Book. And Simon Spooner has said, why and is Hindy not in uh, in that lineup? Because obviously you were an AMR uh, driver, it's, weren't you? It's a fair you? point. I think like, Paul Hollywood wasn't there either, so uh, it's fine. Well, he's been busy doing charity bake-off. He, he weeks did, ago. He didn't have last a night. works... Uh, <laughs> The works overall. I'm sorry, but it's charity bake off than the other half. Paching. <laughs> Moving on. Uh, so MotoGP. Yes. Uh, came back at the weekend with a uh, the bang. opening round in I Qatar. Do, I do like that event. Yeah, and no, uh, that. And pretty dull, wasn't it? Yeah, it was awful. I don't. I don't even bother talking about it really. Um, well, I mean, at it's one point, I do think at one point Zarco was almost a second ahead. Almost, but not quite. Um, but he didn't win. He didn't. No, he he had the problem in having last year's Hon, uh, last year's Yamaha because he he rides a year old Yamaha. But the problem that the year old Yamahas had was fading in the second half of the race or the last third of the race. The tyres went off, and that's exactly what happened. He faded back from a relatively com- comfortable but a ease of leading, uh, and then faded back. I think about eighth in the end as uh, everyone. Um, uh, caught up. I think there was a point where they, they, were, they, were, they were having a bit of a go at Maverick Vinales at one point. He was down in 13th, but he was only four seconds off the lead. Yeah. So it was um, that was a very, very close race. Won by Andrea Dovizioso in the Ducati, once again making his, what, 25 times higher paid, or at least 10 times higher paid teammate Jorge Lorenzo look ordinary, and Lorenzo threw it down the track again. Um, and Dovizioso did one of those things where he started slow and came very, very slowly through the pack one at a time and hit the I think first hit the lead about five or six laps from the end and then uh, finally got ahead with three laps in and held off a couple of lunges by Mark Marquez who looks in very good form in the Honda and in third place it's some really really old bloke some sort of you know veteran who just turned up and lucked into it and signed up for a mm-hmm. bit more Valentin Rossi yes who's also decided he's now going to carry on riding until he's about 71 yeah that's right it is um, it's a remarkable story I can't I, yeah, I think it's you know, the chance of him winning the world championship is, is, is always difficult because the, the bike's not great. Um, but he has got this ability to basically ride a race better than most people. And certainly at 39, you know, he's at least 10 years older than any of his uh, major rivals. It's a it's a massive performance. I mean, he ended up coming 30, 0.7 a second behind. Even worth bothering with. Um, and who came fourth? Oh, was that Cal Clutch, right? It was. So he was in the uh, satellite Honda. 
fabulous last couple of laps. Promising well. to actually stay on the bike this year rather than fall off every other time. So it, uh, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't the swapping places every corner type slug, of race. What's the slugfest, was it? Was no, it? but it, I found it really quite interesting. Obviously, I watched it on um, tape delay, effectively. I think I watched it on Tuesday night, maybe Monday night, um, when I got back from... Sebring, Sebring, as I heard somebody calling it the other day. Um, I, I, nevertheless, I thought, yeah, I like that. That's looking good. Well, it's like, obviously, it looked very, very even. And, you know, the, certainly, even uh, Suzuki's looked better until Rins chucked it down the, the track. Um, a lot of work to do still, unfortunately, for KTM, who seems to have gone backwards, uh, and Aprilia. So they both turned up and didn't work much better. But, you know, if you looked at this race, it was very, very even indeed. It was slight advantage to Divizio. So, and the issue, it appears to be, from those in the know, is that uh, Marquez did better than people thought. And as we're going to go to other tracks which are more favourable to the Honda, um, there's a worry he's going to be able to uh, rack up the points quite quickly. Uh, th- there had been, before that race, a, a special test there where they'd wet the track. Yep. Just in case it rained again. And they were going yeah. to run in the rain this time. Yeah, because the issue being, of course, is that um, it's under floodlights, so therefore if you have rain under floodlights, you get glare. And that apparently is much more of a problem, as I imagine, is with how you place a motorcycle rather than how you place a car, because obviously there's no issue going under rain in lights uh, in cars. And they had previously said, no, it's impossible, it's too glary, it's too difficult, but then they decided they could do it after the test. So they flooded the track. Does Qatar have its own sprinkler system where they can just switch it on? Of course. It's a a circuit in um, the Arab states. It's got everything it needs. You know, it's got a sprinkler system, it's probably got a sun system, it's probably got, you know, its own hot and cold running postal service. It was a great. That's I think it was a, a right there. But it was a, it was a great. It was a really good race. I mean, I, you know, it was, it was 45 minutes of uh, constant saying, so "You had no idea who was going to win at any point," and um, everyone, you know, laid down a marker. But I think, yeah, I mean, again, it's a bit, bit like this weekend with the F1 race. It's not indicative the rest of the season. So we will see what happens. Moto Two. You'll be on your own on this one. Was won by Francesco Bagnaia. Good. Well done, him. From Lorenzo Baldassari. Mm-hmm. With Alex Marquez in third. Oh, still trying to get out to catch up his brother. <laughs> yeah, he was the uh, best or the only Spaniard among a sea of Italians at the front of that. And then uh, Moto3, mm-hmm. uh, two Spaniards at the front. Jorge Martin was the winner from Aaron Canier. Lorenzo de la Porta uh, well was to third. Them. But the winner was motorcycle sport, mate. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, it was. It's a really good event. Uh, they should do more. I know it's difficult because of where the race, but those bikes under the lights just look absolutely fantastic. Mm. Everything it, looks good at night. And that's why the cars look good in Singapore. Yes, true. No, that's very true. Just pop. I'm sure if I, if I could afford a 4K system, it look even better. <laughs> uh. MotoGP is also the subject of this week's edition of this. The news that no one is talking about. The stories that aren't reported anywhere else. And for valid editorial reasons. Pointless press release of the week on Midweek Motorsport. Can you fade slightly less of the jingles down the line, please? Only if Nick stops touching his microphone. No, he had to grab his headset and take it off there. Uh, His ears will stop bleeding in a moment. It'll be fine. 
Hello, I can't hear. We, I, someone ringing bells. This is a press release that uh, came in just uh, just after last week's show, so oh, really? missed out on being on last week's show. Okay. With just hours left before this year's season kicks off, three-time MotoGP world champion Jorge Lorenzo is making a final sprint in his training workouts. Right. Right. Do listen carefully to this because mm. the clues are there. I will okay. be asking you a question okay. halfway through the next sentence. He's doing something with running here. His recipe for oh. going into the competition in top shape includes... Pancakes. And then there are three things he mentions. So I'm going to alternate between the two of you and ask you to name one of the things from his three most important things to his training regime. We're going to start with John. Mm-hmm. Uh, running. Is not on the list, okay. Nick. Cycling. Cycling is on the list. Yes. Back to John. Uh, pancakes. Pancakes not on the list. <laughs> Swimming. Back to Nick. Swimming not on the list. Oh. Uh, bungee jumping. Bungee jumping not on the list. Think about where Yoga. people might go to Yoga. do some exercise. Yoga. Gymming. The gym. Yes, that's correct. Right. And Pilates. the third thing on his list is um, not eating. It's not not eating. All right. Eating. Or eating. Is it making better? Food. Is it making love to a beautiful woman? No. Okay. <laughs> um, Not in his top three. Trampolining. No. Riding a motorbike. Not, off road. Not riding a motorbike off road. Driving no. a car. Ooh, Nick's very close, but I don't think you're going Carting. to get this. Carting. Carting. So his Taxi top, driving. His top three... Being an Uber driver. Yes. <laughs> his top three things yeah. um, on... Uh, on his uh, training regime are cycling, <laughs> yes, going to the gym, right. and his say at Leon Cupra. All right. Well, which is just a Cupra, Cupra now, of course. Oh, I think his might be an older model, which is still a say at. Oh, okay, right. I can't think he'd have an older model. I think they give him the most recent one. Jorge cycles up the Ordino Arcalis mountain pass in Andorra twice a week to get himself used to performing at 170 beats per minute, the same heart rate needed to compete in a Grand Prix event. <laughs> right. When I train on my road bicycle, said Jorge, my Leon Cooper always drives behind me as an escort car. On its own. Hang on, if it's driving behind you, how is it the escort? When he reaches the top of the mountain pass, Jorge loads his bike into the car and drives back down. Who's driving it up? Who's driving the Cooper? <laughs> He's got a self-driving Uber Cooper. Watch out your pedestrians. And cyclists. Oh, no, that's him. Mm. Uh, <laughs> might who, be a bit early who for has, that. Who has released his press release? Is it like the Hawking Lorenzo fan club or someone who makes self-driving cars? This is Sayat. Oh, ah, right. Obviously. Well, no, it wasn't actually. Obviously not, obviously. Uh, he then goes on to talk about his important diet, which includes uh, salads, fish and rice. I have, no, I have nothing against... So food wasn't... Oh, that wasn't his top I have nothing food. against Sayat, but Sayat Leon Cooper's what? 30 grand, 28 grand. This man's, this man's earning like 11 million a year. I'm pretty certain he's got other cars with Garber Hill in. But he's yes, a but not, ambassador, isn't he? But not that mm. he's been sponsored to talk about. Mm. This, is, this is a thinly veiled vehicle, pun completely like, intended, just to mention the words Seat Leon and Cooper. It's like you should, you and should, we've fallen into the trap. You used frankly. to get these press releases um, back in the day of F1 about, you know, what's, what's your, you know, what's your favourite singer? And it was always bloody, this is a long time, it was early 90s, or mid-90s when I was doing it. It's always Phil Collins. I think, oh God. 
And they always, what's your favourite car? I remember the Williams driver said they both like the Renault 21. And I thought, mm. no. No, you don't like the Renault 21. You might like the most expensive Renault you can think of, but you don't like a Renault 21. No one likes a Renault 21. I, I hope you like the new Renault Talisman, because I think that's what we've got in Navara. Which one's that? It's the spiritual successor to the Renault 21. Oh, right, we don't okay. get it in the UK, which is why Ooh. I picked it. <laughs> uh, Shea Adams said it would be a better workout if he was touring the car with the bike. Maybe he is. <laughs> Yeah. Well, now, interestingly, of course, kilometer mountain pass. Seat have just uh, released their new touring car concept, which is emissions free. Now, I thought that meant it was electrically powered, but maybe it's all gear powered. Wow. So, if I bought a car and it came with a free Jorge Lorenzo, that would that would weird. be worthwhile, I think. Well, not really. He's a bit rubbish at the moment. Well, he'd keep throwing it off at every left hander. He, he's probably he? better than me on a motorbike. He is better than you on a motorbike. Is he better than you on a push bike? Is the question. Almost certainly. Yes, because I could never tow a, uh, uh, say out there on uh, anywhere in Andorra. No. Uh, here's a quick note. Uh, delighted to say that uh, on his way back from Coventry to Leamington, uh, Chris Suku has now joined us. Oh, that's nice. good. Thank you. Thanks, Chris. Haven't missed too much, really. <laughs> Shall we move on? Uh, yes, let's move on to Formula One. Yay! Oh, I didn't get to the theatre quick enough. <laughs> it's very exciting. Whose ears are bleeding now? It's really exciting. The season's about to start. Are you not excited? I know you're so going to be exciting in a completely things different country. But I, can't, well. I can't possibly be excited when you and Sam agreed so much on the Formula One preview programme last week. We didn't agree about Kimi Raikkonen. <laughs> Is there any surprise on your face there? It's the, another season. Look, listen. The, the the thing that you're absolutely right on is that Hamilton's going to run away and hide with the championship again. Just it's give him it now. The greatest season ever, TM. Some of the things that will make this season more exciting include the Heineken hot lap. All right, but mean? obviously, you can't you? Not in every country that will be. Not, not in every country. No, not in every venue. Uh, what is the hot lap? So in the, he so says, in, deliberately in, ignoring in Bahrain, the, it'd be the, the Vimto hot lap. It'll just be the hot lap. It, it could be lap? the H hot lap, because uh, in France, they <sighs> used to call the Heineken Cup rugby the H Cup. Right, what is th- what is the H hot lap then? So in the middle of Stop each race, uh-huh. uh, there will be one lap where the TV coverage is different. So they're going to right, use focus. cinematic camera angles set to music with no commentary. Oh, God. You are kidding me. So it's a musical lap. That's right up your street, isn't it? The problem is... With Who's the, picking the no, music? The problem is with the Would halo... the F1 theme. No, this is ah. wrong. Cause the problem with the halo now, how can, you, how can you see their jazz hands? That's true. So that, well, they're going to play this ridiculous... Sorry, the lovely new blockbuster theme yes. for a lap with wide-angle pictures Cinematic. randomly. Cinematic. What I a think com- that means it's going to be low angles with I've got, I no am pans. now beginning to think there has been a bit too much brainstorming after a heavy lunch. <laughs> Whose idea was that? It's Liberty. It's making it a Super Bowl. And it's got a bit of a graphic going, H hot lap, and then we'll have to sit back and go, I'll look at the timing screen for a lap. Yeah. And well, and, and of course, the bathroom. The what's good, the cinematic angle anyway? No, but the good news is, the good news is that everybody who's watching the new coverage on ESPN F1 in the states, um, that's when they'll go and take a break because there'll be no commentary, so uh, they won't miss, they won't miss the I think sky. The thing where they just suddenly like super letterbox it. So it goes like Ooh, to 2.35 yeah. to 1 rather than yeah. 1.7 to 1. So it goes, and they go, 
none of this works on radio. Super, <laughs> super marionation. Yes, exactly. Look at where did they come with this idea? This is brilliant. I haven't even heard this. It's ridiculous. I know they, they only released the theme tune yesterday, didn't they? Yeah, it's one of the uh, things that have been released over the last 24 hours, along with the theme tune. In fairness. And it... the uh, they've got a sponsor for slow-mo replays as well. Who's that? That'll be uh, a watch manufacturer. Well, the same one as always? Yes. Um, they also have some other sponsored mid-race features. Ah. Right, and and it was the f- it was it was composed by the Fast and Furious bloke. Yeah. Right. Lovely. Let's move it on. Is, it is dramatic. It is like the someone says it's like the opening of a, of a medium price blockbuster. A medium price blockbuster. Because they couldn't afford John Williams, could they? <laughs> or John Barry. Mm-hmm. Well, he, that's harder these days. Uh, why will the koalas in the trees of Albert Park not mind the race this weekend? Because they've all been given earplugs. Because they are all going... They've all been taken away on holiday. They've had extra eucalyptus, they're even more doping than usual. They're all stuffed. But they're all dead. Well, they've eaten a lot. Force India has placed a load of uh, BWT-branded uh, cuddly toys they in the trees. Too so much time. Too much money. I think what's happening here is that people have been very, very bored over the last three months, and they've all thought up some stupid ideas. And I include the teams, and I include, um, and none of these things are going to. Well, obviously the koalas won't, but none of these other things are going to last more than about three <laughs> races before we go. I don't want a cinematic angle with a dramatic music album through the race. I want to see the Bloom race going on. What happens if something really imp- impressive? Well, no, happens? they've got to choose a boring lap, haven't they? Yeah. They've got to find a car to show cinematically for a dull lap while the whole of the world, apart from the UK, goes for an advertising break. Though I assume they'll be banned from getting advertising breaks during this super Probably, hot lap. yes. Uh, which, still, by the way, I'm still excited about the F1 season. You haven't dampened me down even slightly. Which drivers have yes. recently swapped places with their mechanics to try their hands at tyre changing? Probably all of them. Nah. Um, it sounds like a Red Bull stunt. It does. Does it? Yes. You'd be wrong. Uh, sounds like a Williams stunt. Oh. It is I, Leclerc. <laughs> Very good. Very good. The thing is, there is a whole generation of people who have no idea what we're on about, and our yes. hello gets very little replay because it's now deemed to be slightly not too too un PC. He still gets it occasionally, but only nothing like the hard rotation you get at things like Dad's Army. So Charles Leclerc and Marcus Ericsson. Which one is more PC? You know what? No one's never on, don't you? Uh, are you being served? Eight and a half hot mum. Uh, well, yes, there's an obvious reason for that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Excessive use of makeup. Yes. What did Moving Marcus on. Ericsson have to say about a wheel gun? It looks like a gun. It... <laughs> I've got a hairdryer this size. Yes, he needs it as well with his hair. He said, I was surprised how heavy and powerful it was. Unlike, a bit like his car. <laughs> Uh, what did Charles Leclerc have to Charles Leclerc have to say about it? I would say this only once. That's he's in resistance now, is he? Yeah, <laughs> it's futile though for him. Uh, <laughs> uh, what did he say? He said uh, I was scared I was going to break my wrist. Really? Yeah. I've used those guns. Isn't that exciting? You obviously have thicker wrists than Charles. Well, when we all know why. Tour- I've done a touring car pit stop. He says glossing over that immediately. Well, I, I remember doing. Uh, we had a pit stop challenge, didn't we, at uh, Le Mans a few years ago, which was me and it was me and Johnny beat whoever we were against. Everybody, Bruce and somebody else. Yeah, I was sensible, kept out the way. I was thinking, nah, I might need me hands and fingers tomorrow to work. <sighs> so to work stuff. Got another hand. It's fine. Did I did? Uh, we won. That's what counts. Williams, 
uh, funny enough, it was a Williams pit stop that I did. It was Blend 37, Williams Renault. Wow, that's a while ago. Mm. That's Toka uh, on PlayStation 1, that is. So yeah. both of them had to go at uh, changing a tyre during a real-life uh, simulated pit stop. Um, who was faster? Can you have a real-life simulation? <laughs> yes, yeah, as opposed to a simulated simulation. <laughs> who was faster? So, so they I actually think, used a proper car. But I yes, think the person yeah. who... They used this year's race car driven by whoever their test driver is. Okay. Oh, it's um, it's the lady. It's Tatiana Calderon, isn't it? Yes. Um, I think that it would be won by Marcus Ericsson. John, do you disagree? I honestly don't care. To be <gasps> honest. Marcus Ericsson did it in 3.84 seconds. Right. Charles Leclerc did it in 4.52 seconds. There we are. See, it, that is the one time Marcus Ericsson will be beating Charles Leclerc this year. Enjoy it while you can, Marky boy. Marky boy yeah. is what he's going to be known now, is it? Why for not? Right. Enjoy his last, his last year in F1. A uh, bit more before our first guest? Uh, I'm just looking at Twitter. Right, uh, carry and, on. Uh, Shay Adams says, uh, Miss Jack, uh, who obviously is Jackie Warnock, uh, told me that all the real koalas were dead. It's not true. It's not true. I, th- I don't think not all the real koalas in the world are dead. I mean, they, they, they do tend to be a bit... problem is they eat eucalyptus. I've, I've never they, seen any anywhere up, near it? Melbourne. No, they're a bush Furth- creature, aren't Further they? north and... Are you looking at the Less poetry, urban. by the way? Uh, I haven't looked at the poetry yet. This from uh, the Portland GP. Rose a red IndyCar is fast. Only 163 tears till Portland's blast from the past. Ooh. Very good. good. Mm-hmm. Quite like that. Yes. Said it only took an hour. <laughs> <laughs> and where was the other one that I just saw? Oh, I can't find it. There's a lot uh, of roses are red Napier's type of thing. done one. Yeah, go on. Uh, which is in three verses. Right. Oh, blimey. Pasta, pasta, it was the week after Sebring when we did find that you're coming to P2 and people see you about cars to be very unkind. Uh, Dragon Speed are the team who want the flags to stay green and their mechanics not to become tired. Ferraris are red, Red Bulls are blue, the McLaren still don't work, and Fernando will be calling them... Not very good. Yeah. Okay, I think I think we should go to our guest, don't Aww. you? Yes. Oh, okay. Uh, you're listening to Midweek Motorsport. Keep the poetry coming in then uh, on the new Formula One season or, or anything motorsport related at Spec Entertainment. Uh, joining us live uh, here on Midweek Motorsport Series 13, Episode 11. I, I can give him his full name now. Most people just know him as Benjamin or Benji, but it's Benjamin Walter Franoszewicki. Benji, how are you doing? I'm good. Thank you, John. And you? I'm very well, sir. Good to hear your voice. Far too long since we've had you uh, on the programme. Man, you've been a busy boy this year, particularly with British GT. What a grid you've assembled. I know. It's very, uh, we're very pleased with it. We worked, you know, uh, the second part of the season last year was looking strong. DT3 was the challenge and uh, we've exceeded um, we've exceeded the results. So we're very happy with the GT3 uh, and GT4 is, is, is booming and uh, uh, a little bit more easier to, uh, to handle. But GT3 is very pleasing. The result is great. 
and you're getting lots of messages on your on your machine as you're talking to us. Everyone's listening in to you. If you've got any questions for for Benjamin, uh, get them in at Specutainment. And we're doing this absolutely live at just on 31 minutes past here, 29 minutes uh, to nine. Um, it, I know it's hard work, uh, Benji, on this, uh, it, and you you will always say there's a good team behind you as well. Uh, what? I mean, is it just that people are now getting used to GT3 and GT4? GT3 has been around for, for quite a long time. Um, more manufacturers coming in. It's a global formula, as is GT4. To, to what do you do you put this fabulous grid of, of British GT cars? I mean, you had 20, 29 at the press day, I think it was. That would be a good grid for most people, and you'll have more than that in the races. Yeah, I think, you know, we had 27. Yeah, of course, uh, that's... We're very pleased with it. I think it's, you know, since 2010, we've tried to put together a very stable platform, and that's what we've done. It's been stable year after year, um, from the BOP to the sporting side to the format. It's attractive, and um, people come back year after year, and then we've got new teams coming in. So stability has been the key word, and when you, when you bring on great partners uh, like Pirelli on board since 2016, it makes... It makes it very appealing and it reflects even further on our BOP. So uh, hard work, stability, you know, not rocking the boat, adjusting the format when, you know, people are uh, pushing the envelope with driver pairing, all that. Just keeping an eye on it. It's easy to yes. uh, take the wrong direction, but we haven't made mistakes. And so we're, uh, I think that's some of the key factors. Um- the British Championship, as I say, looks absolutely fabulous. It's in a real golden era again, and well done on that. Good to see the increases in uh, in in the grid. Um, it, it's not it's not easy everywhere though, um, and I noticed that uh, that SRO have had to uh, shelve uh, the one of the Asian races for this year. You, you all must be very disappointed that you haven't been able to, to go ahead with that Asian, that, that, that sort of Asian sub-series that you were planning. Yeah, that was after we had to um, sadly cancel Sepang. This was uh, introduced uh, at the time it made sense and it just couldn't quite materialise, so uh, there was no point in continuing it. Uh, we had two great years for the Sepang 12 hours. It was a hard race to put together. Uh, the timing, the cost, uh, being a one-off on the other side of the globe, maybe it didn't have the appeal, of, you know, obviously of a Bathurst or, or, or a Suzuka. Uh, but endurance racing in um, in uh, in that part of Asia needs a, a bit of rework. You know, we yeah. could see it was not easy for everyone. And there we had two good years, and the third one was maybe the one too much. Uh, it, it surprises, I mean, it must have been a surprise to you as well, because there are GT3 cars out there. There's an endurance mentality in that part of the world. It's a, um, the the whole ethic of endurance is very much a prized one out there. But it, it you guys have worked hard, but it just hasn't really, it, it's, it's bubbled a little bit. There's been a few little flames, but it hasn't really caught fire. Mixing me metaphors there a bit. <laughs> endurance maybe in Asia is more um, common, more common in Japan. But then when you go to China, the Chinese drivers are less familiar with it. Uh, other Asian countries, you know, when you go to Malaysia, it's it's super hot. Uh, some drivers, the gentleman side, 
are not big fans of staying in the car for too long. So it's not a natural one completely. Or it, it needs it needs a bit more. Uh, you know, it needs to to grow maybe, but it's a bit early and it hasn't really worked. So uh, it, it works other places. You know, uh, in uh, in Japan for sure, the Suzuka Ten Hours is looking very strong, and there's more to come. So um, you know. We need to tweak it a bit, see how we can progress. Now, one of the things I was I was with one of your teams today, actually down at Stracker, uh, recording a, a special one of our inside stories there. Uh, and Nick Leventis and uh, Jade Davenport, their uh, director of racing, very very complimentary about the whole SRO organisation, about how the doors always open to yourself or to Stefan Rattel, uh, and, and how they feel like they are valued and listened to. So. Congrats on that, and I'll I'll pass that on. Um, you've been listening, you've been looking, you talked about tweaking uh, the the big race uh, at Spa this year. Did, am I right? And there's going to be uh, the Spa 24 is going to have some slight difference to the pit stop regulations this year. Uh, yes, you'll need to talk to Jackie Groom. That's one baby I don't take care of. <laughs> so between all my uh, hats, the, the 24 hours is a great event. It attracts a lot of people. We've seen it for. The last five, six years, it's very strong, uh, you know, and it's very competitive, very professional. So all that pit stops are pushed to the limits by teams, by professional teams, uh, by uh, so that's always slightly tweaked every year to make sure it's as fair as possible. But um, the exact changes, um, uh, I won't be able to help you tonight. But that's uh, all right. I'll, I'll we'll talk. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about that another time. Um, I, I just want to finish off on on the British GT, which is clearly very much uh, in your wheelhouse. Um, uh, Toyota's coming aboard with Stella Motorsport uh, and a very brightly coloured uh, GT86. You've got a great calendar that goes to all the big circus starting at Alton Park at the, the end of the month, traditionally on uh, Easter weekend. Uh, you happy with how things are looking this year? Or, I mean, I know you, to be honest, Benjamin. You'll all, you always want something a little bit more, as, as everybody who's striving for perfe- per- perfection does. Yeah, uh, of course. Uh, you can't rest on, that, on your laurels. We've been doing well for four or five years, keeping it steady, growth, uh, diversity, and and you got to keep, uh, you know, you got to try and evolve all the time. What was weak for us two years ago and showed a progress last year was uh, public attendance and mm. Alton Park with that grid with the promotion MSV doing uh, I think public attendance will continue to grow which is a big reward uh, you know we don't get much out of it we still pay our expensive track mm. entry yeah. fees to uh, to MSV but uh, when you see public it shows you're doing something right and it's super hard to do and it's getting there. And I think with the British brands, with the Jaguar coming on board, it, 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 you could see it at the media day. There's a real buzz. It, it, it looks solid. So public attendance is the next thing, and it's growing. So we've got to push hard on that side. Um, and that, of course, comes from promotions from the track, but also from your broadcast package. Now, SRO... Um, particularly on the international side, have been at the very forefront uh, of internet broadcasting down through the years. Um, what's the situation with the British GT Championship this year? Where will people be able to see it, both here in the UK and further afield? Well, we'll be uh, streaming all our, all our races, not Spa, because that's just uh, too much uh, too much of a cost and we can't do that one. But all the races will be streamed live. 
And uh, we'll, if we find the correct um, broadcaster, we'll go on a channel. But uh, at the moment, streaming for all the six events, apart from Spa. And and that is, um, it is difficult. I know there's more TV channels than ever before. And this is the question that we get asked uh, a lot about. Why is it not on TV, some of the things that we're involved with? But the, the, the straight answer to that, Benjamin, is that to get someone to devote two, three, four hours, depending on the format of the race, um, to a single event nowadays in a busy, even in a, a, a broader spectrum of TV channels on broadcast television, is actually very difficult. And, and having it on the internet it means that everybody who wants to get it can can get to it. Yeah, well, you just said it. it's that simple. And then you've got to find the right broadcaster to do it. And if it's not really perfect, then, you know, we, we it didn't, at the moment, we haven't found that. But streaming was essential. I had to find the budget to do it. It's not cheap. You know, we're a national championship. It's expensive. And we've got that. So uh, that was a lot of hard work. But with that grid, with those drivers, with those cars, it was uh, difficult not to have that. But, um, yeah, streaming is essential. People expect it uh it's not easy to put together but we've we've got that and uh i I always i always think it's funny when people say oh well it's only streaming um you know but hang on it's yes it's streaming but you've still got to shoot the pictures you've still got to have somebody to produce that and you know your your partnership with hair fisher is continuing i take it yeah and you know they uh they are dedicated they it's they want quality and it will be streaming and it still has you know, uh, we're still going to have a lot of cameras around tracks, and uh, that's not cheap. And um, so uh, it's it's only streaming, but it's uh, it's still expensive and uh, expected. So we have to deliver, and that's what we're doing. No, exactly. I agree with you on that. I, I always find it odd that people think that the pr- pictures for quote-unquote only streaming would be any different from producing pictures for television. Um, what are you most excited about this year, Benji? Me, what am I excited about Alton Park? Can't wait to be there, see what's going to happen, see who's going to be winning in GT3. It's impossible to guess who's going to be winning any race. Um, A lot of many things. We do different things. Uh, Alton Park is going to be great, the start of British GT with all those different brands. Then, Then we start with Asia against... That's going to be a great entry list, which we've worked hard on and people have committed for... A second year so that's very encouraging you know it's it's a different way of working over there so you have to get it right and it's our format which is mostly based on british gt has been copy pasted and been successful so yeah alton park british gt silverstone 500 that was a great event last year uh we had a meeting with silverstone yesterday we we're trying to promote it and having even more uh, public attendance Suzuka 10 hours and Macau. We're heavily involved with Macau and that's a magical race. And if anyone hasn't done Macau or uh, went to the event as a spectator, they should go. I should say uh, as well, for, yeah, I, 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 it's something I haven't done and I must, must uh, do it. Silverstone, by the way, is the 9th and 10th of June. So just before you set off to go to Le Mans, um, for those of you in the UK, particularly if you're coming down from the north, Stop at Silverstone on the way and then just keep going to the, the channel ports. Uh, it is Oulton Park on the Easter weekend, Rockingham, 28th and 29th of April, just around the corner from here. Snetterton is the 26th and 27th of May. Then that Silverstone Grand Prix circuit run on the 9th and 10th of June. Spa is the 
uh, a broad trip for the British GT Championship on the 21st and 22nd of July. Brands Hatch GP circuit, 4th and 5th of August. GT cars on the GP track, fantastic. And finishing up on the 22nd and the 23rd of September at Donington Park. Uh, Benjamin, thank you very much for joining us. Congratulations for putting such a great series together. I presume you just want to get it all started and get it underway now, don't you? I do, I do. We're doing all the fine tunings, the you know, admin stuff, get it all right. Uh, releasing our BOP Friday, which everyone's waiting for. And uh, yeah, I want to see qualifying and uh, the start. The rest uh, is, uh, I'm not so interested, but yeah, I want to get going. I want to go racing. Your job's done at that point, isn't it? Absolutely. Benjamin, thank you very much for joining us. Pass on our best to the whole of the SRO team, won't you? And I'm sure we'll bump into you somewhere around the world uh, in 2018. Cheers. I'm sure. Thank you. Bye. No, good, good to have you. Uh, brilliant stuff. Uh, Graham Goodwin, editor of DailySportsCar.com, uh, joins us now and was uh, listening to that. I mean, it's an extraordinary bit of work that uh, that Benjamin is, and, and his team has done to get all these cars together. And I know you're very happy about the Stella Motorsport Toyotas with all that orange on them. Uh, well, not just that, actually. Looking at the, uh, the design of them, Stephen Kilby, who put the news up this morning on, on DSC actually pointed out something I hadn't noticed and he's confirming this with the team but I think the design is an abstract vinyl of each of the British GT circuits which yeah, I agree noticed. with that it looks absolutely fantastic it really does look like an exploded DSC logo but yeah Benji and his very very small team uh, have done a fantastic job it is 36 cars for the season uh, I think 35 of those are looking pretty solid there's still one of the GT4 cars that are working hard to complete the driver squad we've got a couple more announcements still to come to complete the grid uh, but you know some real really excellent in-depth talents in both of the uh, the classes the extraordinary seven factory drivers in GT3 this year five of them from Aston Martin plus Rob Bell from McLaren and uh, Yelma Berman from uh, Mercedes-Benz. And then this 23-car grid of GT4 cars. And I think it might well be one, well, it's certainly one of, if not the most varied uh, GT4 grid in the world at the moment. And as Benji actually referenced there, you referenced Toyota correctly with Stella Motorsports. Uh, there's the RGN run uh, Nissans and the Jaguars, which are unusual. And in the case of the Toyotas and the Jaguars unique in world GT4 racing at the moment. So it's, it really is that GT4 car in particular, John, a traditional varied British GT grid. And we're getting back to something that, that made really made it special back in the day. Um, not all good news for SRO. That's a massive success story. Um, but not all good news is as I, as I referenced there, the um, Asian swing of the seas of the, of their, worldwide calendar just hasn't worked out and i mean you know fair play they gave it a try they've given it a couple of years you you can't you know you can't always make things work and and sort of pushing it when when there's no momentum there's just no momentum has been gathered with those uh that that event out there well there's that one race they're doing very well indeed with the blancpain uh hgt series uh, i think that's going to see growth again year on year so they've they found a sweet spot in one place but benji's again completely right you've got asia is a very strange marketplace indeed you've got uh, japan which more or less is a market by itself now we've seen that you and i john with mm. australia 
and that that can have a restricting effect on the guys who perhaps want to be a bit more internationally. It takes time to break down those barriers. You've then got the Chinese scene, which in business terms is a completely dip- different kettle of fish. And then you've got the rest of the Asia-Pacific region. Others, including the ACO, of course, to try to crack that code. Yes. But at the moment, certainly in terms of the series that they've got there, the, the self-contained series within Asia, then that is going well. The international side of things, the global side of GT racing, has been a bit more of a stretch. And we've seen them piggyback, for instance, the Bathurst 12-hour. There's a new event in Suzuka. The event at Laguna Seca last year, the eight-hour race there, had a few growing pains. But it looks like it might have a little bit of recovery this year. They got the plan. Um the only concern I've got, and it's not a criticism of one individual body, is we're picking up to a point now where there is a huge amount of sports going endurance racing worldwide. And I do tend to wonder and worry whether or not there's just a little bit too much. And the bit that I am worried about uh, in terms of its potential to retain its place on the international calendar is actually one of the European series. It's the sprint series of the yeah. Bombay GT. Um, they... Actually, I meant to ask Benjamin about this and I forgot, but I did say something the other day that Stefan Rattel is uh, quite keen on going back to San Luis, uh, where the GT1s went round the lake for a GT3 stroke GT4 event. Yeah. Um, and whether that'll happen or not, I'm not sure, but that, that was a very and John, interesting and indeed, And indeed, uh, to expand the, inter- the Intercontinental GT Challenge to Africa, and that that would, I would presume, mean Kyle Army, mm-hmm. um, and that uh, they are looking for an opportunity to expand that to yet another continent. So they've still got plans. Uh, it is, I think, Stefan's stated aim. He wants to get back to a global championship. Whether or not he'll ever go back to an FIA World Championship after the, it has to be said, um, traumatic time they had with the FIA GT1 uh, championship uh you know an issue that wasn't helped by the economy wasn't no. helped perhaps by some of the organizational challenges that happened and wasn't helped by the fact that they were banging heads as they to a certain degree still are with our friends at the aco um i mentioned there about the spa uh pit stops um and sr is is a is a very particular race for SRO. Yep. It is their jewel in the crown, effectively. Uh, 60 cars, all GT3, although we're expecting a GT4 component this year in some way, shape or form. Presumably, that would be a, a GT4 standalone race, maybe in the European Championship. Um, waiting to hear what that will be. Um, it, it's been looked at in the past as something that is very proscriptive and that's pit stop times, etc. There's been some tweaks to that this year, which I, I, I don't really understand the full um, ramifications. Um, but, but I'm not sure anybody does really. But it's part of a theme now because we've got this now in the WEC as well, and I, and I'm astounded at the the fact that the that the WEC have changed their pit stops after for years saying that it was a safety reason that they did what they did. Mm-hmm. And you've got a really good uh, little interview, a little few quotes from Aston Martin's team um, on on that, on DSC at the moment. Well, there's been a couple of sides to this debate. And it's, you know, it's a debate that's well worth having. There's no doubt about that. The ACO's position, and I did have a chat with a couple of people in the positions of authority at the ACO about this, because I simply just didn't understand it. Yeah. Now, what they tell me, it is led effectively by the show. But 
in other words, that they believe that uh, you know a growing audience of sports car racing is confused why, if you're at the top level of technology, which you know no doubt in recent years the WEC has been in racing, that uh, they then are exposed to pit stops, which are amongst the longest in international motorsport. And I know getting around the fact they are longer than most mm. international motorsport, but as you quite rightly say, John, there's a reason for that. What they say is they've done a thorough examination of any kind of safety concerns. The principal safety concern, of course, would be the fact you've got tools and people working in an area adjacent to the, uh, the fueling rig and, and where the car is being fueled. But they say that uh, in their examination, there is limited or in most cases, absolutely no potential interference between the people doing the wheel changes and the people doing the fueling. Um, I've still got some concerns. Well, I mean, I, you've got Paul Howarth saying yeah. that it's actually not it, – it, it might speed things up, but it's yeah. actually not going to help the show because fueling and tyres at the same time means that you don't get the benefit of tyre strategies, that you don't get the benefit of people who can look after their tyres and get a good second stint out, out of them. And mm-hmm. also the opportunity, because it was quite uh, clearly very – carefully monitored the the opportunity for getting it wrong somebody stepping out over the line at the wrong time too many people beyond the line you know that added an element of drama and potential uh, penalties into it that are going to disappear well i i do tend to to agree and i do tend to take that side of things i don't think this has been done in a knee-jerk fashion i tend to agree with paul i tend to agree with i think where you are as well on this one john they appear to believe that they've done a very solid job in looking at the the variables here should we put it um i did put into the conversation i had with at least one of uh, our colleagues there that they shouldn't be going as far as you know you mentioned spa 24 hours as as has happened with 24 hours i think that's destroyed that race in terms of a spectacle i'll be honest with you at the spa 24 hours used to be absolutely one of my favorite races of the year a couple of years ago uh, when was the last time I, I i was there for that race i found it absolutely dreadful uh, there's no other way of saying it nick, it is felt nod- some... nick Neerman is nodding in agreement here yeah it's it's because Pouring. because yeah, because because it was effectively reduced because of the the way in which both pit stops and driver stints have been regulated. Yeah, great. There was no wriggle room at all, and you were effectively asking drivers to make a difference in 55 minutes. And if they couldn't make a difference in 55 minutes, effectively, any advantage they had got was almost automatically negated. Yeah. So, if, for me, that there was it's one of those those situations you often find when you've got a system of some sort John where you make a tweak here to respond to a problem you make a tweak there in response request you'll make a tweak there because actually perhaps that's outdated without ever taking those three steps back and seeing what it leaves you with as a full picture am i right in saying that the WEC now is effectively a controlled fuel time a controlled tyre change time. So you're taking all the variables out of the WEC pit stops now? Uh, yes and no. Now, that was an important part of actually what came back to me. It does, of course, mean 
that actually staying reliable is even more important. Well, it puts the emphasis on the track, and I understand why they, they want to do that. But absolutely, but 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 what they what the the point they're making is look, there will always be other things you will want to do. You know, it is that thing about making sure that your driver change is absolutely immaculate because the guys can change those tyres really quickly and uh, really very quickly indeed. So, are we going to see potential for there to be more variation in pit stop time? Oddly enough, we just might be. We just might be because I think, you know, with the pressure of more pressure of time, there is more opportunity for for mistakes. And generally speaking, you know, I think in the time that you and I have been involved with the WEC at all sorts of levels, John, mm. the kind of variation between the same kinds of cars in the same classes has been plus or minus one to three seconds. Would that be about right? Yeah. Uh, now that, okay, is significant. Uh, let's have a look what happens in the first couple of races. Yeah. And I think we, we're going to get the opportunity, I'm sure, um, in the prologue, uh, which happens in just a couple of weeks' time, uh, to see the teams, I think, strutting their stuff with this. So that's going to be an interesting part of it uh, because we are going to see, I'm sure, the teams keeping an eye on what their competitors up and down the pit lane are doing. I- I'm not as yet completely convinced, I have no, to tell I, you. I, I, and I'm not a fan of putting more people in the pit lane at Le Mans. Over the over the line at Le Mans, Fair enough. and it will yep. and it will mean that at Le Mans. I think you can get away with it at some of the other Formula One tracks that we go to. It's going to be a disaster at Sebring, and it's going to be a disaster at Le Mans. And hopefully nobody gets very badly hurt. Um, that that's all. That's all I'll say. I understand it's going to add cost as well. Uh, more people will have to be over the wall. More people will have to be trained. Um, all of that sort of thing. But uh, hey ho. Uh, Pastor Maldonado. Let's talk about Dragon Speed. And no one. There's no one faster than Pastor. Still waiting to. I think we're still waiting to hear one of uh, their driver uh, announcements. But Pastor Mal- Maldonado in at. Dragon Speed, and everybody who sells parts are rubbing their hands at the moment. No, that's, a, that's, a, that's, a, that's an awful thing to say. But it had to be said. It's, you know what? In terms of profile, forget for a moment the reputational stuff. No, forget I agree. That. Put that to one side. In terms of profile, it's another step forward, yeah. without a shadow of a doubt. It's another step forward. I'll and be honest I, with you, Graham. I think he should have done it some time ago. I think he would I, have I agree. made him a better driver. Well, you know, we, we did see him at the Monza Prologue last year. Uh, briefly, he was looking around the Bicolis team at that stage. But he is not, as far as I'm aware, John, going to be the last big, big name we see for the Le Mans 24 Hours. There is going to be another huge name this year if a deal can be done. Uh, really? Now, uh, is, is, he, is he bringing... I mean, what I've actually heard... Uh, go on, go ahead. Sorry, I lost you there. I lost you there for a moment, John. You're back. Go ahead. Yes, I'm back. Um, um, uh, he, he's with um, Roberto Gonzalez uh, in the, the transition season. Um, uh, Esteban Gutierrez was the other name that was linked there, but I'm, I'm not sure that that's going to happen now. No, no, it's, no, it's not. No, Esteban Gutierrez has taken, I think, a better offer, which involves him sitting in a darkened room in a Mercedes factory. Ah, OK, I see. Uh, back to Pasta for a moment. I take it Pasta's not bringing money to this, or or is he? I mean, you know, are these drivers who whose Formula One ca- careers have stalled and still have personal sponsors? I suppose the option is that they take some of that money to a, um, a prototype team and, and go, and, go and compete against the best in the world 
Well, Matt, I don't know, but my guess would be absolutely you'll have to be bringing some money to that effort, unless that uh, that's been provided by Roberto Gonzalez et al. But the, I think the reality is the uh, LMP2 side of the Dragon Speed efforts um, for the FIWC. Remember, that's going to be on Michelin tyres as well. One of, mm. I think, what may, may end up being definitely two and possibly three uh, LMP2 efforts in the uh, WEC that will be so. But that is very much a kind of commercial uh, side of the effort, alongside, of course, the Gibson engine BR1 that will do battle in LMP1. So um, I, I'm pretty certain I know who the third name is there. It's another good name in an LMP2 car. And who knows if he can find his happy place. We know he's quick. We know he can be aggressive. Mm. Um, is going to find out pretty quickly that uh, that's probably not a good uh, as good a mix as even it was in the latter days of of, uh, of uh, Formula One for him, and it'll be interesting, I think, to see perhaps the first meeting um, at uh, Paul Record in a couple of weeks' time between him and one Mr. Eduardo Freitas. Uh, yes, absolutely. Pastor Nick Damon, Formula One correspondent, Pastor Maldonado in. Uh, in WEC and, and Le Mans, will it fit? Will it work? Don't see why not. I mean, I think he's, he was a, good, a very good driver in uh, GP2. He won a Grand Prix. I think he had some natural brain fade issues. And I think also he won the one whose head went because he lost confidence. I'm surprised he's back only because his sponsor is Venezuela and Venezuela's bankrupt. Uh, that is a fair point. Well made. Uh, Graham, stay with us, uh, please, if you wouldn't mind. Of but course. it's exactly nine o'clock here on Midweek Motorsports Series 13. Episode uh, number 11, which means we've reached half time. Help! I'm being held here against my will and forced to do voiceovers. Don't mind her. Still to come on Midweek Motorsport. Oh, poor Emma. Uh, Coming up, Johnny Palmer will be previewing the VLN, which starts at the weekend. And once again... Uh, is live and exclusive here uh, on the Radio Show Limited network of channels, audio around the world and video as well. Uh, we'll be talking to Matt Hunter. Uh, there's a tour of show tomorrow night, so a little bit of a look forward to that and a special event at the weekend that I'm involved in as well. And I will be reading not just your tweets on at Specutainment, but I've read a book this weekend as well extraordinary that's all to cover the second half of tonight's show on Midweek Motorsport RS1 part of the Radio Show Limited network of channels we're still waiting for people's poems as well so get your poems in on Twitter Midweek Motorsport on RS1 into the second hour, Graham Goodwin, uh, editor of DailySportsCar.com, is still with us. Uh, delighted to say that I literally bumped into uh, Graham in the paddock at Sebring at the weekend. And I bet I bet you're glad you made the trip to Central Florida at the weekend because that, my friend, was a race, was it not? That, that was fun. Um, it's been a while since I've, I think I, the, the, the family we stay with is convinced I was there in 2013. I'm pretty certain I wasn't, but uh, certainly uh, I wouldn't want the experience of 2012 to be the last time. Uh, no, delighted. No, it's, it's funny enough Delight- that poster was was front and centre in uh, in the the digs that we had, and I just I, th- I said, oh, it's a good job that she's not here. <laughs> She'd never be able to sleep if she saw that every time she walked in. She's still worrying about. It. We'll speak to she in a moment. Actually, Shea Adam is the uh, the other part of this final hour of tonight's programme. We'll get her uh, up in 
uh, just a moment. I, I I just thought it was spectacular. If I'm honest, mm-hmm. yep. uh, if I'm honest, Graham, the whole event was just brilliant. The uh, Imza paddock looked great. The weather it was did. lovely. Uh, okay, put aside the peat fire that was going on, uh, which did add up to some very interesting early morning shots. But my goodness me, and what a race that was! And everybody who stood on the podium, never mind just the winners, earned their position uh, on last Saturday, did they not? It was it was up in the air in all classes for much of the race. GTLM, uh, I'm sure there'll be a few moans and groans about this, that and the other, but that actually was nose to tail for significant positions for as long as I was actually watching it, which was roughly speaking 12 hours. Um, some great <laughs> some great news in uh, the prototype class with the Mazdas, absolutely proving everybody wrong and how unlucky a clutch that wouldn't disengage mm. robbing them of an opportunity for a podium or even better uh, i'm sure harry tinkle will be still pretty grumpy after that kind of ruined the run but i think everybody involved in that um that effort has absolutely uh, my, my my admiration i think everybody else is around the the, uh, the paddock too uh, gtd was just absolutely a wildfire of entertainment Poor old 33 Mercedes AMG. Uh, that was uh, Jerome Bleekemolen hampered in his chase for uh, the win because when Lucas Stoltz got out the car, they couldn't move the pedal box. Yeah. Uh, so he was unable to put up the defense that uh, we'd have expected him to do uh, at the end with that stormy run for Alessandro Balzan. And, you know, so many of the GTD cars right in there, but one of them, in fact, oddly enough, two of them gave us uh, gave me one of the moments of the weekend. It's, it's a tale I'll tell here, which is bumped into. I know a man you know well. Uh, that is Lars Eric Nielsen. Lovely to see him looking so well uh, on the way back via Tampa. With chatting about his daughter, of course, Christina Nielsen, double IMSA champion now, and immortalised in Lego. Of course, he asked me, "Have you got a copy of the Lego?" Uh, Ferrari, I don't. He offered to send one. I bumped into him as we got off the plane as he's just, uh, you know, uh, packing his little bag. And he said very loudly as I was passing, Graham, um, that Ferrari I was going to send you, do you want one or two? And the entire plane, <laughs> the entire plane uh, just came to a stand. Can't move on, though, John, without talking about a couple of significant incidents. Uh, poor old Frankie Montecalvo, completely yeah. innocent party. After Sebastian Saavedra, I'm afraid, did not respect the bumps and made a bit of a bit of a mess of it. Turn 17, and then uh, I think even more sad, Tristan Vautier, one of the standout stars of the season so far, uh, got caught out, uh, distracted by something he was adjusting in the cockpit, yeah. uh, got himself on the dirt and stuff. Well, he was involved and, in everything, wasn't it? If the 90 car was having a problem, think, it wasn't. Uh, I think there was there was him and in the Conti race, Craig Lyons. Who will want to forget that weekend? Uh, and that isn't Tristan's normal modus operandi. Um, the uh, the first corner incident, okay, that's 50-50. Then he got involved uh, later on with um, Elio, wasn't it? Elio Castro Neves. And then he had mm-hmm. that bizarre moment of uh, just complete brain. It's the sort of thing I do. You know, but not in a race, you know, I do that in a, I'm fiddling. I am an inveterate fiddler in a race car and the responsible adult in a road car and the responsible adult hates it. Um, in a race car, I don't touch anything. So I'm fine. And I, I don't have any 
um, mental capacity left. So I just leave everything alone unless I have to change the traction control a tiny bit. And that's about it. Uh, and it's like, I just, we were on board live with that as it happened. And I was literally gobsmacked. Just yeah, it's it just, it just, it's a very human error. And I think he was very honest about it when he got out. Yeah. Should mention, by the way, real shame for the heart. Accurate guys were yeah. caught out by that. And some pretty bad damage. I'm very lucky to actually got away with that injury with the car spinning through the displaced tyre uh, bale, I think yeah, it correct, was. Correct. And Spent pretty heavy damage on that car. Around, wasn't it, too? Absolutely. It, uh, it was but a all... cracking bit of driving. I, I just but thought all... the whole field did a great job. It was interesting. Um, all right, a few too many yellow flags. And the yellows that we did have, bred yellows. Once again, though, when we had long grain flag runs, as we did at Sebring, and we could see the the balance of performance, it's not quite right, but it, yep. it's not the complete and utter waste of time that Paul DeResta seems to think it is, because he needs to go back and look at the numbers a bit more than that. I, I thought that was an extraordinary uh, I, comment. No, not just him, though, John. I mean, I, I bumped into two or three people on pit road during the race. Uh, they were by no means just the usual subject on the... I having a quick coffee with Declan Brennan uh, after the race at Marion's and there there are other names we should be respecting that do know their stuff here there is a reality here I think they got the numbers wrong and I think there's two things to really say about that they really absolutely should not make the same mistake that the ACO made with the uh, privateer LMP1s do not underestimate the value at this high watermark potentially for now yeah. with DPI of having a healthy supporting prototype grid that's number one Agreed. that really needs to be thought about the second point is this if you want and I think they do to retain both the Daytona the Rolex 24 hours of Daytona and the 12 hours of Sebring and for that matter Petit Le Mans as a truly international race which is what they should be and the potential is there with P2s the reality is teams are not going to put their, their cars on a plane or a boat if they think the best they can manage is 11 yeah. and I think that, that mm. is really important the, the reality is there was a definite performance gap and I think they dropped the ball on this occasion it was, it's unusual for them it was about a second a lap and it was it was more it was more noticeable at Sebring than it was at, at Daytona um, I thought towards the end of last year they'd got a pretty good I'm not going to judge it on Sebring and I'm not going to judge it on Daytona sure. but something that came up actually in Michelin Post Race Tech from one of our listeners and I apologise for whoever said this but I thought this was th- one of the best comments on this the issue is here Graham that the, the global cars have got to use spec dampers that come with the cars and the DPIs don't and mm-hmm. therefore, they've got a much more freedom in the suspension side of things in terms of damping. And I thought that was a cracking thing, particularly at Sebring. Sebring. I agree. Um, completely agree. Maybe there's something that needs to be done there. What I don't want to see, um, I'm not an exponent, sorry, a proponent of changing every race. You will get some races where the global cars are better than the DPIs because the tracks will suit them. That's what I want to see in sports car racing. I don't want to see, as we saw disgracefully, actually, in the WEC, what was it, last year or the year before, when we had more BOP adjustments in in the GTE class than we had races. You don't want yeah, to see I, that. I, I completely agree. And, you know, what we've, what we've had, I think, in recent months is this pendulum effect where some races, some... Uh, 
sanctioning bodies are getting it right and some of them they're getting wrong. Before we move away, by the way, there's one point I did want to make which massively impressed me uh, about the weekend. You see it week in, week out uh, in the US, John. It's been a while since I've been to uh, a, a, an IMSA race with their full supporting paddock. That is very impressive indeed. We didn't have the Lambos there. I mean, when you go to Watkins no, Glade, you've got the Lambos there as well. And it is a festival of sports and endurance racing. You're right. You're right. And we shouldn't take that. We should not take that for granted. The only other thing I would say on the on the BOP, and you're right to make the point about the support paddock because it looks great as well. And the Continental Tyres, uh, particularly, I think, is a very, very good uh, series. But with Porsche and prototypes, uh, Lambos as well, it, it's a very good support paddock. Uh, the other point I'll make about DPIs in the global is... The DPI concept is supported by manufacturers. It's yep. in the manufacturer interest to continue developing those cars and continue within the homologation to refine them and to throw money at them. As a privateer team, you simply don't do that. You've got the machinery, you learn it, and yep. you get to know it, but there's not any development going on. And I think that's the thing that IMSA... For my money, I'm I'm very disappointed that Paul came out and said what he did. I've known Paul a very long time. And I'm getting a bit bored now of drivers who talk about driver rankings or BOP. Um, It it just sounds like sour grapes to me. If he doesn't want to be there, don't go. Simple as that. That's what what I would say. And I I think it was a shame the way he did it. He may have a very good point. I don't think the stats bear him out on it, if I'm honest. But... I think there's better ways to do it. And, and I'm just... Uh, there. I, I won't say this for Paul, but he's complaining about BOP now. And I'm not... This is not for Paul. I'll say that. This is not for Paul. Um, but drivers blaming BOP when they're not quick enough in the car and they're not quick as quick as their teammates. You know, I've seen too much of that, um, particularly in IMSA, not necessarily in the prototype categories, but in the other categories. You've seen it in SRO racing, where people have made their mouths go about things and they need to look to themselves, first of all. And the other thing, with no disrespect at all to the teams that are running, the, the, the global P2 cars in IMSA, they are not manufacturer supported teams they're doing their best on a fraction of the budget that some of those other teams are what you need to look at is where the likes of the spirit of Daytona team was who have a decent mm-hmm. budget but they're they're not sort of work supported you want to look at some of the other guys it's this is relatively new still it's only I mean any team that goes up against Penske or Yost or a, you know, pretty much a full works Cadillac team is going to struggle, even with the same machinery. So I, I think there's other things going on there, to be honest. Um, OK, I'll I take, you, take your point, John. I think we'll, I'll be interested to see what happens in the next couple of races. Yeah. Um, um, right. Uh, however, it was a great event. Um, the, the final thing I want to say on that is, um, you haven't been there for a while. I thought it was a stunning turnout from the fans. Um, and just unbelievable. When when WEC come next year, what are they bringing to the party? Because they can't bring any more fans unless they bring some liquid fo- soap and and a shoehorn <laughs> each. Because there is literally no more room there, is there? Well, I'd say this: there's a couple of things I think were surprising. Number one is number of our uh, you know our colleagues from the WEC. Uh, I hosted a couple of them in the press room, including a wider freighter. It's great to see them up there. Mm. Um, and of course, that's 
probably the first time they've actually seen the whole property or much of the property from an elevated position and they were very impressed crowd were there early um there were parts of the crowd that certainly were busier than the last time i can remember there were bits of it that weren't quite as busy uh, as before and the other bit that i would say john is there were a lot more people leaving early than i expected yeah yeah, that I is, don't quite that, understand that. Well, and that has got to be a worry for the WEC, who are hoping to try and capitalise on the Sebring crowd and get them to stay till maybe two o'clock the following afternoon. Mm-hmm. Now that we're finding out that their race won't start until at least four hours after the the chequered flag for the, uh, the the Mobile One Sebring 12 hours, that had to be a bit of a worry. Um, I, Part of that, I think, and I, and I don't know this, but I'm going to put this forward as a um, as a possibility. The advance tickets at Sebring always go quickly, and mm-hmm. a lot of people in Green Park are staying there. They have a few beers after the race. They partially pack up their car or their RV, and then they have breakfast in the morning, and then they're on the road because lots of them have got a long drive home. I'm told by the organisers at Sebring who work for the track that the walk-up ticket sales this year were off the scale. So I, I wonder if that was local people ha- having been there for a family day out who were heading home to... Possibly to, so, John. That's Possibly the only... So. I, I, I take your point on that, Graham, because I noticed that we had a great spot to watch that. Um, but that, as I say, that's got to be a worry for the WEC because what they don't want is when their race gets into daylight and everybody can see it, is all that there is is piles of rubbish and empty, uh, empty areas. I don't think we're going to see that. I think there's always been two kinds of fan that attend these great races. It is the hardcore sports car racing fan that frankly will stay if you put two cars in front of them <laughs> they just will okay the other part of it is we know that that is a kind of spring break party event now some of those people will frankly just fall asleep until they're dragged off the property others of them will have to get on their way with a long trip home uh, there are two interesting things about this one a lot of speculation about what might happen with this race some speculating more than others speculating it won't happen at all number one uh, it's it going to happen it is going to happen, and it will be at Sebring. Okay, that's number one. Exactly what will happen and when it will happen, we'll hear, I gather, during the prologue in a couple of weeks' time. Uh, so that's second bit. The other bit is talking to friends and colleagues in the local area. We stay with uh, one of the local families. They are really looking forward to that race being a more international event again. Uh, a lot of the people that previously used to come and stay with some of the local families have drifted away over the last half a decade. There are some negatives. I absolutely guarantee, you know, that we, we've, we've talked about this around the uh, the unknowns and the logistical challenges. Not negative, but just challenges and unknowns. The positives, though, John, here is that this could become a bit of a gala of motorsport. Yeah. We'll find out whether or not it works. Um, I'm told by someone very close to what happened on Sunday, which was a, a long but very productive meeting between IMSA and the uh, LMEM and the FIAWEC, um, that that there was if, a lot of progress made on Sunday on the quite difficult logistics. Let's be honest, they don't have the room that, that there was yes, at Cota. Yes. Uh, Sebring don't have the huge staff that Cota had. They don't have the space. They don't have the pit lane, etc., etc. There's a lot of stuff. I'm still going to say, as I've said from the beginning, Friday night, classic WEC distance, six hours into the darkness, big crowd, doesn't take the track time away from anybody else, doesn't mean anybody's got to stay, we can all go home on Sunday. I'm still saying that. That's all. Um, we'll move on. Uh, Janetta, 
Uh, oh, sorry, Tim wants a, a quick question before we move on to Janetta. Go ahead. I was going to say, if they're uh, looking at how they can squeeze things in on that Sebring timetable, would starting the Sebring 12 hours earlier by eliminating their warm-up session, which I think is the only warm-up session that the WeatherTechs have all season? No, we all, we have one at uh, Petite as well. Okay, so one of only two warm-up oh, sessions no, they actually, have all no, season. No, no, they, they always have a warm-up session. It's the only championship that we do that always have a warm-up session. Do they? Yeah, I think so. They don't at Long Beach. No, well, that's, that's a time thing. Uh, Elizabeth, yeah, yeah. I, think they, I think for me, Tim, um, part of the appeal of these great races is the razzmatazz before we go to green and actually it is an ideal situation there for Sebring it's still quite an early start in the morning uh it's quite an early start for uh, for the Sebring 12 hours I think the timing of race day is probably the most ideal of any of the big races I agree uh I I, I like it a lot uh I'm just tired enough uh, at the end of that race uh, one of the reasons why. Do you honestly think you could go on for another the... 12 or 14 hours after that? Uh, well, I mean, there is a reality here, which is, you know, in terms of the, the net effect of this, is I am now having to think about potentially to bring in two different crews to cover that race. As um, is everybody so... who has to work it. There the other thing that worries me is something that you said earlier on about how good the support package is to enable um, the WEC to have their practice in qualifying, at least one of those has got to go. And let's not forget. Or race on Sunday. Or race on Sunday, John. But but the problem with that is, Graham, the IMSA series is pr- the whole point of the IMSA series is predicated on not being there on Saturday. So everybody's packed up and gone by at the very mm-hmm. latest Friday night on the support series to save money and save nights and save people at the track. If you make them, and, and this would happen the same if the WEC raced on Sunday. Yep. I suppose it's less of an issue for those better funded teams. There's a day on Saturday where nobody but the Mobile One 12 hours is on the track. So yep. nobody gets out on Saturday. So whoever races on Sunday has got a completely dead day on Saturday. If Unless you have something like uh, Prototype Challenge, let's take that as an example. If we have the wet race on the Friday, yep. Prototype Challenge don't turn up until Friday night, Saturday morning. They take the paddock space that the WEC teams have vacated. Yeah. They have their practice session in be- uh, in between uh, WeatherTech's warm up and the Sebring twelve hours, and then they qualify and race on the next day. It's a possibility. So it then is a possibility. One real night there. The only problem is I don't think anybody will be able to race on Sunday because the WEC, the the management of the WEC are insisting that they are on the last thing on the track. And I think they've got to give that up. Uh, I think, I think, let's wait. I mean, I think the honest answer is here, there's an awful lot of things that, you know, are going to be insisted upon and are going to be immovables. And the reality is we've got to be realistic here. Everybody's got to be realistic, Graham, and remember whose event it is. It's an IMSA event. Absolutely. I completely agree. Completely agree, John. I think what we're going to find is this. Whatever is agreed... Okay, whatever is agreed, and I don't believe that, that final agreement has yet been made. No, neither do whatever I. is agreed, we are going to have one heck of a row on Twitter or on Facebook about it, and it's going to go on until that event either works or it doesn't. There's a million and one ways they could do this, uh, you know, and I think what we've actually found after. It has to be said a bit of silliness between the two sanctioning bodies uh, a year or two ago and coming together and coming together and coming together is we are getting to that stage where I think they've all realised that actually they've got more in common than actually separate them. That's shown by what I think is an ever more 
common sense approach to whether or not we're going to see a global prototype solution in just a couple of years time by the fact that they can sit down and have that longer meeting about this and it seemingly start to come to some some kind of uh, some common view about the way in which this can work i guarantee you at the end of this there are going to be a large number of people who think that is absolutely brilliant and there'll be another large group of people that say that can't possibly work until they prove whether it can or it can't. Yeah, only but- Daytona and Long Beach, I think, that doesn't have a warm-up for uh, the IMSA WSC. Um, you know, I, I think IMSA have been uh, brilliant in accommodating the WEC. The WEC need that race to keep their world championship status, to keep themselves on three continents. Um, and, you know, for them to say, yeah, we'll make it work. Um, but having said that, I... I, I I do think there has to be a bit give and take both ways. I really do. And what I don't, don't want don't think to there's do, any question about that, John. I don't and, think there's any question about that. And what I think as well is there are a hundred and however many thousand people who were there at the weekend, uh, many of whom are staunch sports car fans, but also IMSA fans who, number one, won't want the ticket prices to go up. Um, yep. Number two, won't want to see any less racing. So IMSA, as you rightly said, that the support series needs to be, you need to be very careful with IMSA need to be very careful with their own constituent series. Um, number three, there's a big group of them, as we found, who actually don't give a you know what about the WEC because they couldn't even be bothered to go to Austin to see it. Um, and I, I have, unfortunately, I have little uh, sympathy with some American endurance fans who keep saying to me ah yeah but Austin was the wrong place to put it if only they'd gone to if only they'd gone to yes but they didn't they were at Austin it was a great weekend it's an easy place to get to it's a great place to get to and you didn't go and you know so now it's at Sebring Either go or don't go, but then don't complain that it's at Sebring and it's on a Sunday at 2.40 in the morning. <laughs> Completely agree. You know, I mean, look, John, this may be the one chance that a very large group of US endurance racing fans get to see uh, one of those astounding hybrid races at full chat. Agreed. If if you've not seen well, I it... I don't think they'll be back. I, don't, I honestly don't they, think they'll be back. I, I'm absolutely let's wait. Co- yep. convinced it's a one and done. I will just give you, it's it's a reaction to those cars that came from your friend of mine, Joe Bradley. Mm. I think it explains everything about them, which, and Joe, you, you, we all know, you know, knows his stuff about race cars. And it was when you were on your epic road trip via the Nürburgring down to Barcelona in an Alfa Romeo that amazingly made it. Um, it's, it, it was, it was down, at, down in the S's watching the cars come through. And his words were these, I know what my eyes are seeing, but my brain can't quite compute it. Yeah, you can't, can't process it. It's just that ridiculous. So, look, if you've got, you might have a really well-formed opinion about this, a really well-formed opinion that it can't possibly be, you know, this, that, the other. Listen, just Put it book, to one side. Just book and go, because it's going to it. happen. We don't know whether it's going to be Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. No, we don't. We, and Do and you now. know what? It doesn't matter. Book it. Book it now. Travel Destinations, our official travel partner. Absolutely. Um, Richard was uh, talking to me yesterday and we've uh, recorded some more um, little inserts. They have got some places at Sebring. Get onto them now because you might not get another chance to see it. Let's move on to Janetta, uh, P1. Oh, yeah. What's happening with the P1, Graham? 
Well, um, really interesting one. It came a little bit out of left field, came with a couple of calls from a couple of people uh, who were trackside at the latest of the what seems like a million and one consecutive days of testing at Motorland Arrakan. But the interesting thing here is, to my knowledge, this was the first time that we've had the factory Toyota on track Mm. at the same time as one of the new non-hybrid uh, non-factory cars. In this case, it's the Manor entered, the TRSM entered Ginetta in what it has to be said was its first proper opportunity after some uh, issues in its first three-day test there that saw it only on track for two days. So it had three days of running, something like 1,200 kilometers, something like that, with long runs on the third uh, day after they'd done systems checks. The interesting thing is this, John. Of course, it comes with the health warning. We don't know what configuration, what tyres, because it was a Michelin tyre test, yeah. and what fuel were in either of the cars. We do know the Ginetta was seven-tenths off the Toyota. I'll take that. Lap. That will do me, and that is a car in the very early stages of development. So we're now developing quite an interesting picture of the pack of the um, – the privateer cars, we've got a range of, uh, of mileage under the chassis with the SMP racing cars with the AER engine that looks pretty convincing in its latest stage, putting in some very quick times at Motorland in low drag setup. Uh, we've now got the Ginetta beginning to get some meaningful miles. The, the Rebellion will make for shapes for the prologue. Uh, before that, the uh, the BR1 with the Gibson, the first Gibson powered car, LMP1 car to test, should be the uh, the Transpeed car. They were the launch customer for that Gibson engine, and by Collis, obviously we know have been uh, you know honing their package for quite some time. This could it be that that, that Toyota win every race at a canter? It could. Do I think be. that's going to? Ha- it's not going to be that. No. It's not. Gonna- this the greatest thing about a, 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 a WEC season that we've debated back and forward for months and months is nobody knows. Nobody knows. That's great. Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, good as f- fantastic to uh, to see you at Sebring. Have a good one. Uh, and uh, uh, we'll see you at a racetrack somewhere soon, I'm sure. You most certainly will. Good night, everybody. Uh, Graham Goodwin, editor of dailysportscar.com, joining us live from G. Uh, GGHQ or DSCHQ uh, at least and we are listening to Midweek Motorsport Series 13 episode 11 just coming up to half past nine up in London Uh, our uh, executive producer is Tim Greer hello Tim hello there once was a team from Woking who went to a test of gloating but out on the track the suspension went crack and found their engine smoking Oh, very good. Blimey, that's, that's a limerick though, it's not a poem. No, there no, was a fun. driver from Venezuela who made team managers rather paler. He crashed quite a bit. The results were okay. His dri- <laughs> not his, very good. His wet drive say. could be a career saver. Mm. And the author of that uh, limerick uh, was Matt Hunter. Who joins us on the line now. Hello, Matt. Hello, John. It's been a while. It has been. <laughs> See, I was a bit worried there because I couldn't hear you before you came on the air. And I was thinking, I have no clue if he's there. I was uh, being very polite, John. <laughs> um, uh, Torah tomorrow night. Let's start with that. Uh, it mm. is the this month's edition of Torah. What will you be talking about tomorrow? Don't give too uh, many spoilers away, but a little teaser. The uh, the, the to- TRS, Torah Radio Show. 
Well, if I say um, Lewis is back and Ben's obviously en route to Seattle, I think that should give the listeners an idea as to what to expect. Uh, we're also being joined by um, the our, uh, our Torah's youngest staffer and possibly the world's tallest seven-year-old, um, Adam Watson, um, <laughs> who is running the uh, Project Cars 2 element of uh, Torah's output as well. So he's going to come on and talk about the LMP3 cup. But yes, and uh, I think Lewis is probably going to be sharing some Sebring stories as well, which would be... Fantastic. He was actually quite nervous when he was in the IMSA <laughs> Broadcast Centre uh, with us uh, this time last week or on Midweek Motorsport. It was uh, he was he was a bit worried about things. Well, yeah, um, you know, anyone would think he hadn't been on a radio show before. I know, uh, I know. <laughs> oh, listen, you're doing great work with the Torah Radio Show, um, and. You know, East. We talked about esports uh, with mm. with Lewis last week. Um, it's coming into uh, finer focus pretty much all the time. Uh, ben and I both off to Seattle at the weekend for, uh, a, a, I suppose you'd call it a pre-season event, wouldn't you? This is the new Forza IMSA Championship, um, and I'm I'm actually quite excited about it. What what am I going to see? Well, I think the um, the preseason invitational is going to be a really good opportunity um, to see some of the uh, some of the best drivers in the world really, um, you know, put their skills to the to the test against each other, not just individually, but also uh, in a team um, scenario, which I don't really, I don't think uh, Forza has really done before, mm-hmm. uh, outside of obviously the organised uh, events that, that the likes that we run. Um, but I mean, some of the guys that are there. I mean, you've got you've got guys who did extremely well in the um, uh, McLaren World's Fastest Gamer. Um, you've got winners from last year's uh, FRC as well. I mean, FRC. You know, yes. What's uh, that? Uh, sorry, the Forza Racing Championship. Yes, I should thank, probably thank you. Should probably give it the full title. For, I've got to do some swatting up on the plane over. I tell you. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, I think the first the first tip I could probably give you, and I know this is something that uh, our our, uh, our mutual friend Declan Brennan hates, is uh, the wonders of gamer tags. Um, I think uh, most of the guys who uh, race in this luckily don't have um, anything terrifying or scary or hard to pronounce, which is extremely helpful. Ah, well, that's good news. <laughs> that, that's good news. Um, now this is an event that where that will be. Um, uh, that that will be um, broadcast at the weekend, and and Nick, you straight away said it'll be on Twitch. Twitch, yeah. Mm-hmm. This is this is the international gaming platform, isn't <laughs> yes. it? Nick? This is the sort of thing which my son uh, goes to as default, whereas I'm old, so I go to YouTube. <laughs> okay, tell me about Twitch then, and how anybody listening here can see it but first of all we should say that this is a, a, a the prelude the invitation is a prelude to a, a whole season championship with a lot of dollars on the line um for 2018 imza are sanctioning it uh imza tracks there'll be imza downloadable content i'm led to believe and more prize money than will be available at the Le Mans 24 hours this year extraordinarily but that is true um so um how can people watch how can people get involved I think realistically, the best way, as I just said, head over to uh, head over to Twitch. Although, although Nick, I completely agree. I also a YouTube person. Maybe that makes me an old old person as well. Um, but yes, no, every, every, everyone can get involved by heading over to um, to the Twitch channel. I believe uh, literally just a case of going on to uh, Twitch.com and searching for Forza Motorsport or FR or the or FRC uh, would probably be the other the easiest option. Um, they have a chat channel on there as well, which. Uh, 
the uh, the guys who host are always keen on uh, uh, on engaging with uh, with the viewers through that, which is brilliant. Um, hopefully, I mean, I, I'm not 100 percent sure, but they, you'll probably find that Twitch channel might be available through Facebook as well. Okay. Um, if we're allowed, to, if we're allowed to use that format anymore, I'm not sure anymore. Um, but yes, it's um, it, it's a very all in, all encompassing thing, and of course, you can also. It's not just these top guys getting involved. Um, it is everybody uh, can get involved and can race in it by um, heading over to um, uh, ForzaRacingChampionship.com uh, and clicking on the register button. And they can take part in all the uh, weekly events as well that are um, being lined up from, I think, April through to May um, before uh, the season one finishes. I mean, this event of the weekend, the Invitational, as it says, you've got to be mm. invited to be there. Um, but the whole season, that that will be an open championship. You'll have to register, but then you you go in and, and take part. So we might have listeners now who say, well, I quite fancy a bite at that. W- would they be able to do that? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, literally all you need is is an Xbox uh, console and a copy of uh, Forza Motorsport 7, uh, and you're away. Um, I think one of the, I mean, you know, obviously we've said this before countless times on our show uh, and in in, uh, in history that I think um, consoles and particularly Forza Motorsport is one of the most accessible ways for people to get um, more involved in, shall we say, you know, the, well, firstly the developing esports racing scene, but also motorsport in general uh, from a ground level um, perspective, particularly with people like IMSA uh, getting uh, involved. And of course, you know, from my perspective, British GT, yeah. Uh, well, yeah, we heard, well, heard so. Benji on mm. earlier on there. I mean, it looks fantastic this year. Uh, I see that they are promoting the championship on their British GT page. Uh, what's the crossover? Uh, you know, we were talking about this, actually. You know, how many people who are interested in IMSA will go and race? How many people who are interested in, in online racing might just get converted enough to go and watch an IMSA race on the telly or online or whatever? Well, I mean, let's look, let's look at it from... The perspective from you know from the UK side as an example as a good example, um, I mean when when we all kicked things off ten odd years ago, there was a young uh, guy who started by the Gamertag NGR champion. Um, we all know him as Ash Sutton. Um, he started in sim racing, and of course you know we know what happened to him. He's, he's now the reigning British British uh, GT uh, British touring car champion, rather I should say. Um, you do get it's surprising actually. Um, I think probably because they like to stay under the radar a bit, just how many um, real drivers and such will take part in sim racing events, be it on iRacing um, or, you know, or even on Forza. You know, we've had the, uh, the CJ Wilson racing guys take part in our uh, events in the past, which, you know, which has obviously been fantastic for us. Um, the crossover, I mean, the crossover is the main element, I suppose, is that, that, direct engagement that you can have with your fan base that i don't think has necessarily been available quite so available before um you know pe- people can feel like they're really taking part in an imsa sanctioned championship an sro sanctioned championship and mm. and that gives that gives them an extra level of wow what i'm doing is really really cool and you know and i think that's that's moving forward with esports racing in particular i think that's massively important yeah to get that uh, direct link to the real world. Uh, Matt, love your stuff. Uh, it's eight o'clock tomorrow night 
uh, on RS1 for the Tora radio show. And make sure Ben comes and finds me uh, at the weekend, won't oh, you? Oh, he will, do. Oh, oh, he absolutely will. He's, look, he's very much looking forward to meeting you. <laughs> I, I've, I, I've not had time to spend in Seattle before. I've flown through it, but never taken time. I'm very much looking forward to it. And uh, the responsible adults uh, at Radio Le Mans will be tweeting uh, some URLs of how you can watch uh, and listen at the weekend. Matt, have a good show tomorrow, mate. Thank you very much. Say hi to the guys. Uh, Matt Hunter from the Tora Radio Show. Um, well inside the last half an hour. Nick Damon still with us. Hello. Online games for you? Um, I... You're RC rather than online, aren't you? It's, it, I, I need a bit, a bit of realness, even if it's not full-size realness. But no, it's it's the future. Let's be honest about this. I, 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 don't, I play games, but I don't play online because I get beaten by 12-year-olds. It's interesting, you know, all of the console games that I've got, I very quickly abandon the career mode and end up playing online, whether that's soccer games, and I'm still playing FIFA 15 online, <laughs> um, or the various games. And you and I have, have, have raced each other before on, on, on various games. I like the idea that somewhere there is an individual at the other end who I'm actually taking on. And there's something about that, I think, that that's what makes it interesting to me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I think it's it's obviously the way things are going. And and let's not let's embrace it and let's not push it back. And let's uh, see what the crossover is and the pull through. Uh, you're listening to Midweek Sport, Motorsport. Uh, and uh, so that's Saturday. So keep an eye on that. Uh, right. Let's move on. And uh, I've been reading a book. Uh, hooray! Hooray! Uh, Tim, you've got a bit of uh, you've got a bit of voice coming up, haven't you? Yes, because you've spoken to the author of this book, and we're going to hear uh, the full interview in a special program after this program. Oh, okay. So ideally at ten o'clock, but uh, we may have to overrun a little bit. Can't overrun. That so <laughs> might be five past or something okay. like that. Okay. Uh, but here's an extract from that interview, just to uh, tease you. What did you not do that you really? look back now and maybe when you were putting this weighty tome together that you thought if only I could have done what would it have well, been well obviously I was so close to winning so many classic races like this one for instance right here in 1971 Sebring, yeah. I came here with Mark Donahue in the in the um, Sunoco Penske Ferrari and I mean it was the class of the field we were on the pole we led we were both evenly matched, Mark Donahue and myself. We got on pretty well, and somehow he got caught up with uh, Pedro Rodriguez when the circuit was very long, went out the back there a long way. Mm. And he comes in, and the tyres shredded, and the oil tanks busted, and and he was ramping and raging about Rodriguez running into him, and, of course, Rodriguez was doing the same about him. And at Daytona, the 24-hour race, just two weeks before, we were on the pole there, leading miles... There was a big crash in the middle of the night, which did not involve, well, didn't involve Mark to start with, but he got caught up in it, and so we came third there. Then we went to Le Mans, and we had Traco. Traco, the Chevrolet guys out in California, used to blueprint all of Roger's engines, even the new ones from Ferrari, and they were really reliable. And for some inexplicable reason, at Le Mans, Roger said, we've got a new engine from Ferrari. And Mark Donahue and... The chief mechanic, Woody Wood, had said, no, 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 we're fine, we're fine, we're fine. No, nope, got to change it. Well, when the boss says, the captain says change it, you change it. And we lent 
our engine to NART for Sam Posey's and Tony Dowitz's car. And they came third, and we blew up about 7 o'clock. We'd have won that race, yeah, for sure. Uh, we, I mean, we'd already lapped them. Hobbs, the unmistakable uh, sound of uh, David Hobbs. The book is called Hobbo, Motor Racer, Motor, Ma- Motor Mouth, the autobiography of David Hobbs. Uh, Andrew Marriott uh, involved in that as well, highly involved in a lot of the research. The photos are fantastic. Well done, Andrew, on that. Forward by uh, Hobbo's uh, great friend and competitor, uh, Dave, uh, sorry, uh, Sam Posey. Uh, and I read it over the weekend, and it's one of those books that you can't put down. Uh, it very, very um, full account of each season that he raced in and who he raced for. He's slightly played with the timeline where it makes sense because he was doing a particular time of racing, and he, he explains that in the book. Um, but you can hear Hobbs talking, you know, you can hear his voice as he's written it. Also covers his TV years as well. I can highly recommend it. Uh, Motor Racer, Motor Mouth, the autobiography of David Hobbs. And stay tuned after this show for the full version of that interview. In the meantime, uh, we're talking about uh, me doing some e-racing at the weekend. But we do have some live motor racing at the weekend. It's round one of the VLN. And Johnny Palmer will be covering that for us. He joins us now. Evening, Johnny. Oh, very good evening, John. Uh, and uh, you know, it seems like only yesterday that you and I were doing the final round of of last season and and wrapping up the championship. It's come round rather quickly. Uh, first of all, the big question at this time of the year in the Eiffel Mountains uh, is: uh, What's the weather going to be like? Are you actually going to get the race off? Because the practice day a couple of weeks ago was snowed off. That is a, a massive question, and, and I think still a doubt at the moment. From what I read, there is to be a, an early pitch inspection sometime tomorrow to establish whether there's going to be any snow, how much may fall. But as you say, there was a test session scheduled for the 17th of March, uh, so that was last weekend. It didn't happen. So we go into VLN1 a little bit um, with, the, with the unknown surrounding the whole situation, and Actually, the weather for Saturday is pretty good. There's sunshine predicted, but there's some snow between now and then. So it's a question of how quickly it uh, defrosts. And obviously, with the track being so long and so undulating, you know, it can be fine in one area and not very good in another. But, I mean, the entry, something like 170 cars. Mm. That's a lot of uh, cars and a lot of drivers to disappoint if it doesn't go ahead. Yeah, and you kind of got to make that decision earlier rather than later because not everybody is coming from round the doors are they that's the that's the other thing um in the early part of the season johnny um you tend to see quite a lot of the big teams who'll be uh, doing some driver qualification maybe uh, in time for the the qualifying race and the nurburgring 24 it's a it's a bizarre thing but worth mentioning again nurburgring 24 is not part of the vln series but of course to get your VLN permit, you've got to do a certain amount of competitive laps. So the big teams, the works teams, if they've got drivers who aren't qualified, they almost have to put cars in early on in the year. Yeah, and, and as a result, we see we see a cracking entry, particularly in SP9 in the early part of the season, as you say, leading up to the qualifying race, uh, which is held in April, and then the N24 itself in May. Sadly, then, there's a little bit of a, a tail-off 
from the entry. But uh, I hope that they can cling on to as many drivers as possible. There's some there's some amazing names, and not necessarily in SP9 in the entry for this weekend. 24 SP9 cars, by the way, uh, although the entry is to be confirmed tomorrow, along with whether the race will take place or not. Fingers crossed that it will. Um, but also, Andre Lotra apparently in the lineup, and oh. not to be an SP9, he's going to be driving a V5 Porsche Cayman. So there is a man who just loves motorsport, regardless of, of what level. And it's going to be fascinating to see him in uh, in a Porsche, but um, a Cayman, which I'm not sure he's ever driven competitively before. Uh, Gabriele Tarquini and Nicola Larini, two uh, world touring car champions uh, uh, and uh, championship runners from the past. They're going to be in a Hyundai i30, a car that you and I saw debut um, in its kind of competitive debut when it once homologated at Silverstone the other week. Well, they're turning up in the TCR class, which is set to be one to grow over the year, I'm sure. Um, Rover Racing there with two BMW stars, John Edwards and Conor Filippi. These are all, I reckon, people who are getting some mileage in ahead of the of the 24 hours uh, in May. But fantastic that they're part of the entry in the lead-up to that race. Uh, the race at the weekend is the usual distance of four hours uh, i'll ask you the question johnny i think i know what the answer is i mean who are you going to pick out of that lot to be at the end uh, of the race battling out and we'll probably have two cars battling it out and banging wheels in in the last lap of the race uh, yeah I, I mean four hours sounds like a lot but obviously that's an only about what 28 29 laps was it and uh, they were you know it doesn't sound very much at all and and the you can't do an awful lot as far as strategy is concerned do the teams slice the cake very evenly or or do they take a, a short stop or a short stint at the beginning or at the end of the race and that is really the only variant uh, that there is plus the fact that you've got track work or incidents being dealt with uh, locally so the rest of the track is fully green and then you head into a a slow zone, a speed limited area where the intervention vehicles are on track and dealing with incidents. So there is opportunity to build big gaps, but likewise, there's opportunity to close them up as well. And for some reason, over the four hours, nobody's able to get a massive lead. And we do often get, as you say, two or three, four cars scrapping it out, even onto that final lap. So I think it's guaranteed to be a close one um, in the top class, but also in the V class as well, which is going to have something like 80 cars. And it's you and Paul Trustwell at the weekend from 10.15 on RS3 Saturday morning. Oh, RS3. Okay, RS3 on Saturday morning. And I dare say you'll be looking forward to it, Jippy. Very much so, yes. Um, as I say, there's, there's a lot of work being done over the, over the winter. I mean, something like 900 metres of the track's been resurfaced as well at Hatsenbach and Hoherak. So it's going to be a particularly fast track. Just as, uh, you know, hoping that it's going to be vaguely above zero temperatures and no snow. So, fingers crossed. Johnny, have a good one. Uh, I'll be tuning in from whatever time it is in Seattle before I I do my e-racing stuff. I'm uh, very envious of you and Paul doing that one. Have a good one, mate. And you. All the best for the weekend. Uh, Johnny Palmer, who will be on the air at a quarter past ten, ten fifteen on Saturday morning. Shea Adam is on the line, uh, a little bit warmer where Shea is than in the VLN race at the weekend. Uh, good afternoon, Shea, as it is with you in Fort Lauderdale. 
Hello, John. And yeah, we seem to have completely skipped spring because the high yesterday was 90 degrees Fahrenheit. I'm not yeah. envious. I'm not envious <laughs> at all. Uh, three big Indy car points for this week. But before that, um, Indy moves from ABC and uh, sort of a split season to fully on NBC. Uh, and yeah. being now, what was the quote? It was fantastic. The the head, uh, the head of IndyCar, and Marshall quoted this, and I know what he means, but it didn't quite come out right. Said uh, IndyCar is now. Uh, is now in one home. And I thought, he doesn't mean that, does he? He means it's in one place. It's not just <laughs> in one home. It's in seven million, uh, seven million homes. Uh, ultimately, I mean, ABC have had the Indy 500 for 100, 102 years, I think. Um, um, yeah. <laughs> but they've decided not to split their coverage. They could probably have, have sold off the, the Indy 500 to the highest bidder, but they haven't. That's an interesting move. Yeah, and realistically, it's only five races that's making a big difference. But as you said, the Indy 500 being one of those five, that is the big difference. They've got the race at St. Petersburg, the Indianapolis Grand Prix, the Indy 500, and then I believe it's the finale is one of the other two races that's on ABC, as it has been. But the 102nd Indianapolis 500 will be the final ABC broadcast, and then they're going to move it over. So next year, it will be on NBC. And when I told my mom that this morning, and she's somebody who can understand it, she said, wow, that is a huge story. ABC makes a big ta-da about their show. They do a huge pre-show. They bring out the best of the best. So NBC has very big shoes to fill, but it is nice to know that it's going to be on one channel. That is something huge for the series to be able to stand on to say, hey, you want to watch IndyCar? You go to NBC. Now, NBC obviously lost Formula uh, lost Formula One. Are they going to be utilizing some of their talent for that or do we not know that yet on IndyCar? We don't know who they're going to have. They already have a fairly stable lineup for the remainder of the year. But one of their analysts is Townsend Bell, and he has been known to go run in the Indy 500. So they might need an extra special somebody to come in the booth for that race. We don't know who it's going to be yet. Uh, Lee Diffie, Townsend Bell, Paul Tracy, Brian Till has been known to be on there before as well. Um, so we could see some very familiar faces, especially to our paddock, John, mm. that make an appearance at that race. Uh, Pitman Man is back yeah. at the Indy 500 and with a new sponsor. Indiana Life. Donate Life is going to be on her car. So it's no longer pink. It's this beautiful light blue and light green, but it's good to see her coming back for another race. She's going to be running car number 63. Of course, she's actually going to have to try and get in the race this year because we are going to have bumping. And yes, I am rubbing my hands together like Montgomery Burns. Uh, But yeah, it's really good to see Pippa keeping that streak alive and especially with such a worthwhile cause. She's been known to raise awareness for breast cancer in the past. So really happy to see that she's sort of expanding on that a bit this year. I hope we are going to have bumping and I hope there'll be enough engines for everybody. Uh, Elio Castro Nevers, uh, having been grand Marshall at the opener season opener at St. Pete's had a decent run until he was bumped out at the Mobile One 12 Hours of Sebring in the car at Barber uh, earlier this week. In fact, it was yesterday, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. Uh, they did a two session test day at Barber Motorsport Park. First time there for Lena Gade, which I had a really good conversation with her at a champion party the other night. Um, but Elio racing, goes yeah. back. Yeah, she'll she'll be. Uh, she was excited about the road in because I told her how much fun it is at Barber. It's a really great circuit. 
they go to the track. They have two sessions, the first of which is green, green, green. It's beautiful. It's perfect. The second of which was rained out for the most part. So the times from session one were the ones that everybody littered up and down the timing screen. Best time was a 107.9. That was set by our reigning champion, Joseph Newgarden. He was narrowly ahead of Will Power. And right behind them was Ilio, his first time driving this car. And he was the third quickest guy out there. He was well ahead of Simon Pagino, whose time was about half a second off of what Ilya was able to get out of the car. So a really good sign there. Also a good sign for Sebastian Bourdais, who finished fourth in that test. He wasn't quite sure where they stood after the St. Pete race. Yes, they managed to get the win, but he said, St. Pete, it's a track where you never really feel comfortable leaving it because you don't really know where you stand. This test will do a lot for the Dale Coyne organization to help them with comfort. But yeah, it was Penske at the top of the charts again at Barber. Lotecias en español. Olé. Por midweek motorsport. Now, before Tim gets started on this, Nick Damon is still here. Hello. Hello. She, she speaks Spanish. She speaks South American Spanish. So <laughs> not, Hola. So that not might Spanish be useful, because this is from Argentina. Well, well Ooh. let's let's Ooh. remember. Steak-tastic. The, <laughs> me, carne-tastic. Um, so, uh, remember, the point of this is not necessarily to be literal, Shea. Yeah, yeah, okay. Okay. Uh, fire away. <laughs> Marcelo Charocci se llevó el Gran Premio Victor de la Rosa en el marco de la primera feca del Campeonato Argentina de TC2000. Levedo acaba en el autodromo Oscar Cablen de la provincia de Córdoba. Uh, we'll, we'll, let, we'll let you have... Shall, uh, shall we let Nick... No, let's, let's, let's let Shay kick us off with the disadvantage uh, of speaking the language. Well, I, I think it's pretty obvious what it's saying. Um... Marco has decided to change his name to what was it? Victor Rosa? Is is that what Victor it was? Victor De La Rosa, he, right? Victor De La Rosa. He's he's changing his name because he did so well at a certain circuit that he felt overcome that he needs to uh, to take on a new persona. Right. Okay. Pena is a leader del Tonio con forty seven puntos. Well, Nick, I think you can take that up from there. Having changed his name. <laughs> He signed up a deal with Fiat, and uh, rather than getting a race car, he's been given 47 puntos from the years 2002 to 2006, I believe. Right, okay, moving on. La primera parte de la carrera mostró al el ex-defensor del Atletico de Madrid sacándole una pequeña diferencia al joven de Almafuerte, pero sin cumplir su... Objetivo de mantener el liderazgo de la competencia de, de, de comodidad. <laughs> That's how you pronounce people's names on the grid. You know that, Jamie, don't you? No, I, I think it's clear it's that he's no, going to add the 47 puntos to his Nissan Primeras and, his and Carrera, Porsche Carreras. Is, is his wife called Sue? Yes. Because she was objecting, wasn't she? She was. Well, she you was would. Object- yeah. If you she brought 47 puntos I think home. she objected to the manatee, wasn't she? she objected to, apparently he's also got an obsession with aquatic mammals. Mm-hmm. Well, and the leader of defense is now asking him to use the 47 puntos in their army. Hang on. I think uh, I wasn't in the too. first sentence the word Lido? Perhaps he's keeping the manatees in his local Lido. Ah, Lido, uh, not Lido. Yeah. As in Boscags in the Lido yeah, Shuffle. exactly. So he's basically got a nice open-air saltwater uh, uh, swimming pool, as beloved by the gay community, and they are having many manatees. Vuelta a Vuelta, el Cordobés, say escape a bar, cada vez más de pernia, 
sacandole casi tres segundos detrás de ellos palazzo Seleucia y se mantenía uh, en la tercera colocación en su primera carrera en, en la categoría. Uh, sí. Uh, I'm sorry, I'm laughing too hard. Um, he said something about the manatees were three seconds off the pace of where they needed to be. Okay. And there, there just wasn't the power, and all the 47 puntos put together couldn't help the poor little manatees. Ah, ah you know what this is? This is actually, we were completely wrong. This is a reworking of nursery no. rhymes. And rather than putting Humpty Dumpty back together, all the king's men and all, all the king's horses, it's all the puntos and all the, the carreras couldn't put the manatee together again. Oh. It's obvious. It's a Spanish nursery rhyme. Can't believe we couldn't see it. Okay. You know, I remember hearing that when I was a kid. <laughs> Learning Spanish. Please tell me there's no more. There's no more. Thank goodness for that. I mean, there is more, but we're not gonna. We haven't got time. Um, quick, a quick mention of Nick Weird and the Slot Car 24-hour uh, this weekend. Uh, uh, the boss will be tweeting where you can uh, watch that. Eve will post all the links on Facebook uh, and on Twitter. Coming up. Uh, at uh, 10 o'clock, or just after us here in a couple of minutes' time, David Hobbs in an exclusive interview that we recorded at Sebring about Hobbo's book. Uh, it is entitled um, Motor Race and Motor Mouth, the autobiography of David Hobbs, and it's available at all good bookstores shows, all good oh, bookstores now, <laughs> and, some, and some rubbish ones. Uh, tomorrow, Torah, the TRS, Torah uh, radio show at 8 o'clock on RS1. VLN Saturday 10:15 a.m. Those are all British summer time and our no, clocks. Not. Uh, sorry, they're all British main time. Sorry, I'll do that again. Eight <laughs> o'clock tomorrow night. It'll be fine in the podcast. Eight o'clock tomorrow night. RS1 Torah VLN Saturday 10:15 Saturday morning uh, and they are all Greenwich main time. Our clocks change to British summer time on Saturday night into Sunday morning. But there's no time to explain because the llama doesn't have a watch but it's off to Seattle this program is a radio show limited production tell your friends there's more at radiolamont.com